Welcome to the Gatecast and our journey to the Pegasus Galaxy and the City of the Ancients, Atlantis. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Gatecast. And we have somebody who's been on with us once before. Would you care to introduce yourself? Non-Brad Australian guest. <laughs> Non-Brad Australian guest. Yeah, that's me. I'm Shane. You recall what episode you did before? Or am I putting you on the spot? It was an SG-1 episode. Now we're doing an Atlantis episode. Figure in a year or two, we'll do a universe episode. And then when you're really depressed and winding the sucker down, we'll do an infinity episode. No, no, no. One of our listeners has actually kindly... Was it Daniel? No, it's Bradley. Yeah, has kindly offered to fall on his sword for that particular thing. So actually, since you guys are in the same time zone, you can record with him. <laughs> Neither of us are prepared to watch any more of Infinity. I watched about 12 minutes of an episode. SG-1 was still being broadcast. I think it was around season nine. And I was off sick, bracket, hungover, bracket. And I was flicking around the TV and I caught it on the Cartoon Network and I was like, what the hell is, huh? Green, what? what? <laughs> yeah, that sounds like the show. Considering I've actually watched entire episodes of Digimon and Pokemon, my tolerance for bad animated shows is quite flexible. But after 10 minutes of this, I was like, nope, I would rather be forced to watch Hyperdrive again. Yeah, really, because there's some very good animated shows out there, even some that are intended for kids, which you can watch at any age. An example of a bad animated movie was How to Train Your Dragon. What was wrong with that? That's an awesome movie. It took 43 minutes to grab my attention sufficiently that I didn't keep glancing at the laptop every 30 seconds. Ah, I love the movie. I've had it in my watch pile for about two years, one of these days. Ah, the TV series as well. By the way, I have a confession to make. I'm addicted to Downtown Abbey. Oh dear. I have science fiction queued up and I'd rather watch another downtown episode. It's a shame. I feel bad. <laughs> if you weren't paying for this podcast, I'd kick you out. <laughs> and quite oh. rightly too. <laughs> um, anyway. By the way, this is Mike. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I rarely get introduced second these days. It's always the guest. Which ain't a bad thing because we're getting plenty of guests. Yes, this week we're looking at McKay and Mrs. Miller. This is going to be recorded a little ahead of our normal schedule. Our guest Jane is available, so we're going to make the most of it. First recording fell through, some last-minute changes. The second recording looked like it may fall through due to some severe weather conditions down under. But it looks like we're good to go. Indeed it does. I've just had a quick search. Was it Brace you did, Jane? Could have been. It was a while ago. Yeah, episode 144. Yeah, that's a while ago. (laughs) That's like two years ago. Simpler times. Yeah. Yeah, very much so, actually. Oh, look what I've just found on Amazon. How to Survive a Sharknado. Oh, God. Paperback, eleven ninety nine prices on what's the, Kindle. What's the Kindle edition? Ten ninety nine price set by publisher. <laughs> <laughs> I take it you didn't watch Sharknado 2. I only made it 23 minutes into Sharknado. You know, I still say best unexpected sudden shark death has to be Samuel L. Jackson in Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, it was good. He's in the middle of an inspiring speech and roar, chomp. I'm like, oh, you don't expect such a major star to get killed off. Not as a rule. But can you really describe anyone in any of the Sharknado movies as a major star? Well. I mean, when you've got a budget that they run at, you can't really afford a big name, can you? Let's be honest. Most of the people in those movies, as amusing as they are, they're aspiring to has-been. There is a serious call online for Will to do a Kickstarter to actually make 
Serial Apist 2. Oh, Criminal Minds, wasn't it? No, 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 Apist. Oh. It was actually quite oddly creepy seeing Will Wheaton play Sociopath. Yeah, he's talked about it on interviews. But I know, Apis, it's a movie that the blonde Penny in Big Bang Theory is supposedly in, and they produced a trailer for for Comic-Con, because Will guessed in Big Bang Theory, and there's a major call for them to actually make the movie. I were playing Ingress the other day, staring at the screen, and I looked up to find myself on the side of a hill, surrounded by women in probably an average of four square centimetres of cloth. Even though my tablet doesn't have a camera in the back, I immediately flipped the cover closed and sort of quickly scarpered because I figured they're going to put two and two together and come up with 12. So yeah, I can really only ingress at night. It's too bloody hot to wander around outside. <laughs> Twitter. Twitter, 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 Twitter. I finally finished Storm of Swords. Yeah. Oh, 48 hours and 14 minutes of it. Oh, Ms. Buckley has replied. I love that episode. Who doesn't? Ah, David probably. He looks a bit of a fool in it. <laughs> I'm waiting to hear some barking in the background because whenever I talk to Shane on Facebook, I usually get about 43 seconds and then it's time to walk the dog. <laughs> well, you will chat at about 9 o'clock in the evening, my time. As it is, you may hear scratching on the door of clothes so she can't get in here. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll look after it, Mum and Dad. Don't worry. We'll feed it. We'll take it for walks. Mm-hmm. A month later, oh, it's raining. He needs a walk. Dad? <laughs> a month later. Two days later. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody thing. I hope VLC already to press base to pause it and it pops up a new version of VLC is available. Would you like to update? No. Every time I update VLC, it breaks itself quite severely. Hi, I'm Nuke Chas, the host of Nutty Bites. And hi, I'm Tech, Nutty's regular guest. Or antagonist. Our podcast is like a call-in show where geeks get to debate topics about speculative fiction. We don't really debate. Sure we do. We debate topics such as lame superpowers, the best villains, and our favorite apocalypses. We more like rant, rave, and then have massive nerd rages. People call in from all over the world, sometimes minor celebrities, and we've even had some supervillains show up. Do you ever notice that you never have any superheroes or good guys? I'm a good guy. Compared to what? Antagonist. Not really a guest. Matty Bites. Nimlast.org. I can see now why a lot of Swedish people prefer autumn. It's not 30 degrees, but there's not five feet snow outside. <laughs> it's proper weather. Rain I can deal with. Well, it's not going to stop you going Ingerson, is it? No, because I have the Cthulhu shield. Okay. Otherwise known as cling film slash saran wrap slash sandwich wrap. <laughs> Shall we commence to start? Because I'm sure Mike has a Grand Prix he'd like to watch. Not today. Oh. The reason I don't do much in the afternoon is family dinner. Okay, fair enough. The reason I don't do much in the afternoon is I'm a slack bastard, but there you go. <laughs> yes, as usual, be watching the Region 2 PAL version of the episode. Shane has got the same copy we have. The Australian market uses the same masses, don't they? Yeah, we use PAL as well. As we do know, Alan can be watching the same file and still get different timing. Yep. Large Great Mysteries, that is. Line up on the black screen, 0000. We've got a runtime of 41 minutes, 47 seconds, hopefully, for everybody. Yep. I found I can get more immersed in the episode if I make it full screen. Yep. As you know, Shane, if you've got something to say, just say it. If we go off topic, that is not a problem at all. It's positively encouraging. That's lucky. <laughs> Permission to uh, lust after any and or all scantily clad characters is encouraged, uh, if not required. Well, it's not really that kind of show. No. 
We're not exactly a family show. I think that would require too much editing. I try not to swear on Julie. Right, I think Finnish. No, actually Swedish today. Okay then. Right. Three, two, et, clicky. Oh, soft toys. Mm, yeah, different start to the show, this is. Check the channel, are we watching the right show? Yeah, but you know, if this were a Doctor Who episode, you'd think Stephen Moffat wrote this, and something really yes. creepy is going to happen. <laughs> something very bad is going to happen, involving the little girl. What are wearing a coat indoors for? Because everything is not as it seems. Oops, puzzled expression. Giving her ideas. Hmm... Okay, it's either an epiphany about public transport or bridge design. Ding, 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 ding. Gonna be stopped. <laughs> what are you doing, Mummy? She's finger painting. Your painting's no good. I'm going to do my own. Well, this is madly obsessive. Could be something to worry about. Hello? <laughs> Here's Johnny. <laughs> She's traumatised already. That's it? Madison's not here. Honey? You can call me Bob. This is all very close encounters, really. Yeah. It is a bit. If, if there was a tub of mashed potatoes, we'd be in real trouble. Hi. Well, at least you stayed off the wallpaper. Yeah. That would have been <laughs> delusional and creepy. How was your day? <laughs> <laughs> same old, same old. Nothing much happened. Anyone for tea? Ah, uh, credit sequence. No, that should have been a credit sequence. Probably should have done. It looked a lot like Sam Carter's home, mm. even down to the Volvo outside. Yeah, it's no sexy time tonight. <laughs> Sensible t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I, actually my response, knowing before you said it was not with that t-shirt now. No. <laughs> yep, definitely nothing happening in the bedroom tonight. Hmm, complicated. She's a sofa. I take it you know she was left-handed. I noticed but it wasn't really that important. Well, is McKay right-handed? I believe he is. I wonder, is that a twin thing? Well, they're not twins. I thought they were. No, she's younger. I'll get it. <clears throat> Someone's knocking at the door. Do me a favour. Open the door. I'll never be. Jean Miller? Ah, Sam. Yes. Hi, I'm Lieutenant Colonel Samantha Carter of the United States Air Force. Okay. Did you send a math proof to Professor Graham Peel of the California Institute of Technology? And Canadian coppers, because there's no American copper would have a yellow band on his cap like that. <laughs> Just not done. Admit nothing. <laughs> never confirm anything to the military. It never ends well. Yeah. This is a rather long first yeah. intro sequence, isn't it? Going on for three minutes. I mean, Karen needs help. Now that's a completely logical time to go to the credit sequence. Well, surprisingly enough, that scene was a lot longer. McKay was doing some crew evaluations, and you will see that scene in a later episode. It was originally thought they were running a bit long, and eventually turned out they weren't. Okay then, McKay and Mrs. Miller, Season 3, Episode 8 of Stargate Atlantis. This is Gatecast, Episode 247. This episode first aired in the US September the 8th, 2006. Canada got it October the 30th. We got it in the UK December the 6th. Sweden, September the 28th, 2007, and the Germans, December the 5th, 2007. Surprisingly, there is no other episodes from any other series with this same name. Mm -hmm. There was a film called McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which some people think was the inspiration. I see. But Martin Garrow, the writer, never mentioned anything, so 
no confirmation there. And we're back. Ah, stock footage. Well, a blue transport bus. Can't remember ever seeing one of them before. Oh, Sam, that is not a flattering look. <laughs> Welcome back to Earth. Yes, yes, what has my sister done? Good to see you too, McKay. Greetings, salutations, pleasantries. What's she done? <laughs> Don't stop me from... <laughs> I have a sister like that. What's she done? <laughs> and you've got to love it. McKay actually checked her out as he walks past. Never misses an opportunity, that boy doesn't. McKay's always hungry, no matter what. Can you imagine the first thing he did was stop at the canteen? The thing that gets to me about this is, and it's sort of the thing in the real world and not the TV world, everybody would have known that he had a sister that was probably as smart, if not smarter than he was, and would have tried to recruit her a long time ago. Yes, they would have done. Like four years. Oh, that game. Hmm. She was on the fast track to some uh, pretty exciting grants doing some interesting work. I mean, she was no me, of course, but uh, she was at least a you. Uh-huh. Hmm. Originally, when uh, Martin Garrett wrote this episode, she was supposed to be, you know, a top-notch scientist who was destined to go to Atlantis, but turned it down. It was only, uh, you know, under multiple rewrites that they went this way. Yeah. It's four years, maybe? Four years? Not that I didn't check to see if she's published. <laughs> you realise what this proof means, right? <laughs> yes, well, if the math checks out. Oh, I've been over it. It checks out. Ah, well, no offence, Blue Eyes, but um, I'd like a little more time with it myself. And McKay mentioned he had a sister... What was it when they were recording? Whoa, 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 whoa. What? His attitude to character is... I thought he was normally, like, worshipped the ground he walked on. Yeah, but that doesn't... He's still condescending. He's McKay. Not exactly. Oh, good, because she would just... Wait a minute. Why not? See, that's part of the reason I asked you here. She's been cleared by the Pentagon, but she refuses to sign the confidentiality agreement. She says she wants nothing to do with us. <laughs> it is. To be honest, she's been a bit of a pain in the ass. Huh. Well, forget her then. I mean, she's made her choice. We'll just have to, you and I, figure out how to implement it on our own. <laughs> she's in the cake. <laughs> yeah. so, first glance, there are certainly some missing pieces that aren't exactly spelled out in the proof, but... Um... Washing his hands over. I like this. Look at it. She's just staring at him. <laughs> You're going to give in, mate. Everybody knows it. <laughs> You're her brother. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this scene was originally going to have McKay beaming in. Unfortunately, when they looked into the logistics of it, there were too many people in the background and they didn't really have the money. Mm -hmm. We ended up walking up and knocking on the door, which works a lot better. Well, and to be honest, the whole beaming into a front door might attract a little bit of attention. I can't just stop by and say hi to my little sister? Well, we haven't spoken in four years and you've never done anything like this, so no. And there should have been a joke about him picking those flowers from her front garden. Although I suppose it is Canada. I was called back on business, so... Um... I was in town and, and I thought I'd, um, you know. Wait a second. What? You're not here because of the physics proof, are you? What? No. No, no. I mean, I'm sure that's part of the reason why I'm here, but... Uh... You work for the U.S. government? No, no, I work for a multinational uh, oversight advisory you know that... Uh... I don't care. You're a sellout, Rodney. Sellout. Do you have any idea what you've written? A math proof. Uh... Some, some theoretical physics. I am willing to wager it has no practical application at all. I'll take that action. <laughs> It was David who first brought up the idea of having his sister come on the show as a guest star. Originally, they weren't too keen because they didn't think she was a, actually an actor. It wasn't until Martin said she was in a play that was being directed by Brendan Gall, who plays her husband in this episode. Saw her on stage, realised she was a bloody good actress, mm. and this episode was written. I am not going to sign away my rights, least of all to the US military. But it has sparked an idea in someone, a big one. Like what? Huh? Can't tell you, not until you sign the agreement. I'm not signing the agreement, so you tell me. Is everything okay? Okay, showed up. 
It's my brother. Oh, right. Hey. Hi. It's ah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, really can't handle a kid. Awkward. <laughs> what? Too cute. No. Too cute. I didn't know that was a rule. It is. Well, I guess I broke that rule. <laughs> uh, I just made some dinner. Would you care to join us? Ah, uh, well, that'd be great, actually. I'm, I'm starving. You have no idea what time zone I just came from. Well, I uh, sure hope you like tofu chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I sure hope he's kidding. Madison Miller is played by Madison Bell. Joanne went on to being Delete, Tin Man, Supernatural, uh, Smallville. Hmm. Is that twins? Kids that age are usually twins. Nothing in an IMDb profile says she's a twin. Hmm. I'll give Maddie your bath. You two catch up. Okay, hon. Hey, pop your head in before you leave. What? Uh, why? Children like to uh, say goodbye. They only realised after the fact that Brendan was at 6'7". Slight difference in heights with yeah. everybody else on the gas. Boy, uh, Madison's short grown, huh? Since she was born? Yeah. Yeah, she has. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. You, you need to come with me right now. Your, your proof could lead to something groundbreaking. He really has got no idea, has he? How long would I be gone? Well, it's like a uh, couple months tops. <laughs> a couple months? Are you joking? I... Madison has her first ballet recital next Tuesday. She's four. How good could she possibly be? That's not the point. Come on, Rodney. Engage your brain. Even you aren't this ignorant. Bigger than your, your responsibilities. Okay, we've, oh. we've had this conversation before. Yes, this is a long-running conflict between the siblings. Rodney really doesn't understand anybody walking away from science, because that is his life. Now, he would have wanted us working together, side by side, toppling problems and, and sharing credit. Oh, you, uh, you, you share credit now, do you? <laughs> I mean, even now, he's only just considered having a serious relationship with a woman. Hmm. There's such thing as serious relationship with a woman? In theory. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm divorced. <laughs> what? Give me your hand. Why? Please just give me your hand. Will you just... Hey, this is cheating, Rodney. <laughs> they do that a lot in these shows, don't mm. they? It's just like, we need to prove there's something out. We'll just beam them into the spaceship and they're like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. When's somebody going to freak out <laughs> and start chasing people around with an axe? You've just been teleported to an interstellar vessel in orbit around the planet. Please. Teleportation is about as likely as time travel. Mm-hmm. Ah, that character has been there, done that expression. <laughs> I say, as arguments go for this being reality, that's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, yes. Is, is that... Why aren't we weightless? Artificial gravity. And yes, that is North America, and you are in geosynchronous orbit. Yes, just don't even bring up the inertial damper, because that's a sore point with some people. Create stable artificial wormholes that allows us to travel between other planets. Even <laughs> just taking this well. What have you gotten yourself involved in here, Meredith? Um, Meredith? I don't think Carter knows his name is Meredith. No. Your name is Meredith McKay? Meredith Rodney McKay, yes, but I prefer to go by Rodney. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Point here, look out the window, much more interesting than my name. Your name is Meredith? <laughs> <laughs> She's quick, she's worked out at the spaceship. Could be a space station. This is a U.S. Air Force vessel called the Daedalus. Your equation has real-world applications I'm certain you've never even considered. You see, there are some very bad creatures out there that want nothing more but to destroy this planet and everything that you hold dear. They don't want to destroy the planet, they just want to use it as a bridge. I mean, if Kinsey was still around, he's saying, typical, it's always another alien species that are out to destroy us. Every living being down there, and that includes Madison and, um, 
Caleb. Caleb, yes. <laughs> we can't do this without you. Let's not go overboard. I mean, she'd be an asset. Okay. But... Martin in the commentary, he says, when you're writing this episode, Meredith just came to him when he was writing the scene. It seemed sensible for Rodney to have a girl's name. And he thinks it came from Meredith Williams, who was a wrote the music man or something. So somewhere down there, my husband is giving my daughter a bath. I like the grins on both Samantha's and Rodney's faces. I think they know they've got her, even without the added aww on the little girl. Oh, poor old Caleb. His life is going to be turned upside down any minute now. Suddenly finds that his, him and his child are not good enough for his wife anymore. He'll be ruined the day McKay, Rodney, came back into their lives. I know. That doesn't look like the kind of t-shirt she had on last night. Yeah, obviously want something. Yes. <laughs> I don't know, something, something? If you think about it, that, last night they're going to be together for a while. I didn't hear an ooh from... Mike normally gets happy whenever we see an external shot. Well, they're doing it a lot recently, and after some of the episodes we've seen, just the day to just leave in orbit isn't that big a deal anymore. Mm. Do you have any idea what non-disclosure means? Just because we don't keep secrets from each other doesn't mean we're incapable of it. Well, what did he say? Um, he's concerned that me telling him will get him assassinated. That, that won't happen, right? Mm, probably not. <laughs> Again, I'm sorry I couldn't come with you, but there's just too much going on here. It's fine. Yeah, I'm filming season 10. Amanda is 15 feet away from him. About a year ago, your brother came across an abandoned alien experiment called Project Arcturus. It was an attempt to generate zero-point energy. <laughs> Don't tell her about that. Don't tell her about that. Slight problem is the uh, creation of exotic particles in the containment field. He destroyed his solar system. Meredith. It was uninhabited. <laughs> you told her about it. <laughs> that means it didn't kind of blow up a sun or something at one point as well. Yeah, but that was deliberate. Uh, Intent is important. Yeah. My theory is about bridging universes. Exactly. And we're hoping to use your proof as a theoretical basis for building a bridge from a parallel space-time to ours. Uh, the energy you need would be enormous to the point of absurd. Absurd we can do. You're too right. Most of what McKay does is absurd. I'm surprised he didn't go. It was only two-thirds of a solar system, you know? <laughs> well, it sounds reasonable, but then most ideas do on this show. <laughs> Aren't you worried about the exotic particles crossing back over my bridge? Well, that's the beauty of your theory. It should not only allow us to build a bridge, it should also allow us to manage the flow rate of energy. Like a, a faucet. <laughs> well, it's something like that. It's exactly like that. <laughs> we don't know who they are. Who cares? They all just dump all the deadly radiation into their universe. We do that with Africa now. They don't seem to mind. Yeah. <laughs> that we could access borders on the infinite. The odds of us choosing at random one that's inhabited are astronomically slim. <sighs> wow. I know. It's an awful lot to take in at once. I solved your problem in my spare time. <laughs> with finger paints. Here we go. I, I just can't imagine how you're surviving the humiliation. Look, if it wasn't for my work, your little theory would be useless. Whoa, wouldn't... whoa, siblings, please. Sorry. What? <laughs> well, it's just that you both said sorry in that cute little Canadian way, and I... <laughs> sorry. Touch base when you get back to Atlantis. Good luck. These alien creatures must be quite the threat for you to even try what you're doing. Now, I don't want to scare you, but you need to know the stakes. We're at war. Did you start it? No! Come on! I love the fact that that was written. You could almost imagine this is just, let them go. Yeah. Let them have their, all the little arguments. As Martin said, most of this were elements of what him and his brother had. His brother's scientist, but they call and left-leaning, so the argument's over. <laughs> who has proprietary knowledge, which just went on and on. 
It's the typical sibling thing. This is your fault, isn't it? No, I didn't. Okay, so we need a yay or nay on the equations. Yay. This montage scene wasn't originally meant to have any dialogue. Mm. <laughs> I'm okay singing without dialogue. Yeah, it, they kind of threw the lines in on the day of shooting. McKay ad lib it? I don't think he ad libbed. I'm sure they could just film him and his sister going on and take edited bits. What is with the clean room, Sid? Because it's a clean room. I imagine when you're putting something like that together, you don't want any contaminants inside. No, that's what they have other universe for, to contaminate them instead. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if those white laptops are also designed for clean room use. Now, we've been through these calculations a number of times, and I think we've settled on a containment field uh, setup that should work for us. I just want to show you these. Yeah, it's nice to see Hemorrhoid. Yeah, they had to fight a bit to get him on this episode. It was going to cost a lot of money, obviously, because they have, you know, four or five puppeteers. I only want him to nod and blink. <laughs> Has he talked about his sister with you? Yeah, once or twice in passing. Usually, like, oh, come on, even my sister can do it. You know, that type of thing. <laughs> How's it coming, Reddick? The simulations are all in the green. We're ready to try power up. Just in time. <laughs> That's actually what I just said. <laughs> Holy cow. That, that can't be good for you. Nothing to worry about. I've done it dozens of times. <laughs> Hello there. John Shepard. Yeah, she's married and she's my sister. <laughs> I'm just saying hi. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're doing. I've seen that look before, Kirk. Lovely. Welcome to Atlantis. Thank you. Mayor's told me so much about you. Oh, good eyes. Oh. Did you just call him Mayor? It's a pet name. Where are we? Uh, simulations are on the green. We're ready to try power up. Really? So soon? That, that's amazing. Excellent work, Radic. Thank you. Yes, we try not to encourage him. It's a bit of an ego. <laughs> oh, he, he really is. <laughs> Shiny. It does, doesn't it? Very, very simple, but it actually looked impressive. In chamber conditions are green. The containment field is in the green. Monitors are green. Everything's green. He likes to do the checklist. ZPM levels are well, Let me guess. green. <laughs> and backup terminals are green. We're ready to initiate power up. Why are they doing this on station and not somewhere remote that they can blow up? Probably because most of the control systems are on Atlantis. Turn it on together. And of course, they haven't had a lot of success with off-world bases, have they? Yeah, well, there's only room on the button for one finger, so... Well, then can I do it? Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm right here, so he, he likes to push the button. Fine, go. Powering up to 5%. <laughs> oh, dear, love it, love it. This isn't one of uh, McKay's finest hours yeah. on interpersonal relationships with his family and associates. Power generation is steady. Uh, what about exotic particles? Genie, please, I'm on it. <laughs> Don't interrupt him. <laughs> at 5%. Mm -hmm. Good. Now what? Uh, safe thing to do is hold at 5% for the next while. Because she wasn't talking to you. Actually, it was an open question to the floor. Shared credit, huh? We'll do this together. Dad will be so proud. This is not the time or the place. Fine. I'm going to my court. Yes, well, good night. Thank you. Rodney, stop being yourself. So? Well, obviously, we hold at 5% for the next while, and... Um... Yep, there you go. Now you look like an absolute idiot. Right. I should probably try to get some rest myself. Could you... He doesn't even know her name, does he? You would think at some point, aside from Kavanaugh, they'd go to Elizabeth and say, come on, he's going to be a little more understanding and less of a dick. Hmm. The Scientist is played by Sherry Rebold. She does three episodes of Atlantis and a single episode of SG1. Oh dear. She's also performed stunts and done some standing work. Shut it down. Foreign object. Go get Dr. Zelenka. Love this. 
Ta-da! It worked! What are you doing? Radic. Yes. I need to speak to whoever's in charge of this project. <laughs> That's you. Well then, I guess I need to speak to me. Totally different attitude. Mm. This one seems even more arrogant than our McKay. Say someone's having a good time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> what is this? Hey, Meredith! Oh, wonderful. <laughs> John here was kind enough to show me around, offer me a warm meal, and uh, introduce me to some of your friends. What have you told them? <laughs> they weren't talking about you. Mm. But you weren't? Uh, no, we were discussing many things. Now, when the issue of a bed wedding happened to come up... <laughs> oh, that's not nice, is no. it? That's going beyond the line. I'm sure the things about Genie. <laughs> there was one time school bullies made me eat lunch with my underwear in my head. Oh, oh wait, that was you. <laughs> oh, hearty har har. And this is revenge for what exactly? You don't even know, do you? Colonel Shepard and Dr. McKay to the isolation room immediately. It's isolation room? Come on. Well, as per usual, the poor bus boys have to clean everything up. Mind you, it could be somebody on uh, the naughty list. Punishment detail. People just leave the trays and food and scamper off. What in the world? It's you. Yes, we noticed. <laughs> that is a live closed circuit feed of a man we have in the isolation room. Now, this is one of the joys of this episode. When they set it all out, they were looking at over 30 visual effect shots, DJI, split screens and everything. But when it came right down to it, they had about 40 other shots, which were going to be very difficult to do for all the twinning. They had a body double. Unfortunately, they realised that his hair just didn't look right. Always looked totally wrong. Mm. That forced them to rely on rotoscoping. He claims to be from a parallel universe. You said the odds against us were astronomical. You saw the math. Well, we got it wrong. Yeah, well, he's here now, so the question is, what does he want? To talk to you. Uh, you want shared credit? You're coming in with me. I... Believe it or not, some of the three graphic artists, Shannon, Jeff and Mark, during the summer break, did most of these rotoscoping special effects on their own dime. Hmm. Wow. Now, I figured you'd be here, but... Uh... But Jeannie, I always hope we work together at Atlantis. Huh. This is a first? Huh. For me, me too. too. Have a seat. Now, I presume you go by Rodney? Yeah, a shot like that. That is rotoscope. Mm. So you could definitely see the both David Hewlett. Okay. I'm going to make some assumptions based on what I've seen here and from readings we've taken in my own space time. Also see the eye lines a bit out. I presume you're running some sort of experiment that's designed to bridge between parallel universes? And two, it has something to do with power generation. Martin Wood in the commentary said he was a bit upset. He positioned the chairs a bit too close, so you couldn't get a nice split screenshot from this angle. Mm. It's a bit freaky if she found Rod attractive. Yeah. Dangerous exotic particles that don't belong in either of our universes are being created on your side of the bridge. Huh. So you knew this could happen? Ah, uh, it was a, a slight risk, yes. <laughs> This is weird. Well, obviously, his sister's going to top him. You know, he blew up a solar system. She's going to blow up a universe. <laughs> it's surprising, though. This Rod actually thinks, oh, Rod McKay with no ethics. Mm. Yes. How exactly did you get here? Ah. Well, we detected the anomaly about 20 hours ago in space above the planet. We maneuvered one of our jumpers in close and tried to broadcast the signal to whoever was on the other side. Yes, but, of course, we would be unable to detect that signal from within the containment chamber. 
so Shepard and I came up with a plan to beam a person into the anomaly. They were be protected by an ancient personal force field that we discovered. I depleted ours. <laughs> yes, by jumping off balconies and being shot. <laughs> well, it was Shepard's idea. Yes, the first hint that is John Shepard is slightly different to ours. Mm-hmm. There was very little time, and, uh, well, there seemed to be no other way. We drew straws. You lost. <laughs> I won. But the, the prospect of saving an entire universe? No, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Making me look bad already. Yeah. I, I can't begin to say how sorry we are. Yes. Well, you could... Um, Start by shutting down the experiment? Already done. Yeah. Yeah. How do you get back? 25 minutes in, so yeah. <laughs> it better not be done. And my work here is done. Mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Have you got a spare room? I might be staying a while. Now, you know our Rodney is thinking something. How did, how did you plan on getting, you know, back? I mean, to your own universe. <laughs> <laughs> the matter bridge you created is unidirectional. But that means... Yes. Yes, it does. You can see in the background, mm. the double, his hair is just wrong. Yeah. So most of the shots, you know, where they're looking over the shoulder of one character to the other, mm. it just never worked. That's why they ended up having to do all the rotoscoping on the episode. Great a mother in this space-time as you are in mine. Oh, this will blow your mind. I have photographs of your alternate life. Want to see pictures of the kids you haven't had yet? Absolutely. Oh, look at Maddie. Who's that? That's Bradley and Robbie. Both Martin Garrow and Martin Wood both said this is one of their favourite episodes of the series, but also one of the most difficult to actually accomplish. Well, we're not keeping him. I can't go back. Well, it just doesn't mean he has to stay here. He said he'd rather be on Atlantis and Earth. Oh, I see. So he gets his way and I don't. Hmm. He also said David was very nervous about doing this episode. <laughs> they eventually pointed out to him that Rod McKay is David Hewlett and Rod McKay is actually Jane Lauman, David's wife. What? Because, to quote... Lovely, kind, and nice. Everything that David isn't. Hmm. Whatever you say, Meredith. Oh, poor put-upon Rodney. Ooh, that's pretty. But of course, Rod plays golf. <laughs> nice shot. Easily 275. And I make no apologies about getting me Blu-ray out so I can zoom in on that bucket and see what it says. Property of Daedalus, do not remove. We don't have one of these where I'm from. Besides, you need to take a cattle prod to the shepherd I know to get him up this early. <laughs> Late night's parting, huh? If you could call it that. He's uh, very active with the Mensa Club we have there. They have a lot of um, functions. Joe actually hit a golf ball at the camera. Oh, dear. It was that accurate. He could actually do it and not hit the camera. He doesn't. Mm, trust me. My shepherd makes your Rodney seem uh, modest in comparison. David, on the other hand, couldn't hit the side of a barn. <laughs> Looking at this scene to know that Martin Garrow also wrote Sunday, which we'll be covering late, later on in the season. He always wanted to do an episode that showed what the uh, Atlantis personnel did in the downtime. <laughs> you like golf. You say please and thank you. You're, um... Yeah, no. What's the opposite of condescending? You know, I wonder if golf, like uh, politicians, is something that writers do in their spare time. The network and such like. One thing for sure, before they got the chance to return to Atlantis frequently, they wouldn't be playing this. Only so many golf balls you can take with you. You get the feeling that uh, Rodney's feeling a bit left out at the moment. What the hell is this? Hey, sleepyhead. Yeah, hi. I had a breakfast date with Gina. I guess it just kind of ballooned into a group affair. Look, sit down. We're tracing back our lives, trying to find the little differences between our past. Well, it must be annoying that your possibly evil twin from another universe is actually more popular than you are with your friends. 
They actually thought about having him have a moustache. Please report to the containment chamber. Doctors McKay? Doctors McKay. It's the Ace Rimmer effect, isn't it? Very much so, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and what makes it worse is that his alternate self has nothing but good intentions. Yeah, if this was Red Dwarf, the nice version of Rodney would be dead about now. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to five minutes from the end. Pressure like a, a dam. If we didn't turn it on again, it could have resulted in a catastrophic overload. Oh, we should have thought of that. Mm-hmm. Don't look at me. Oh, so you're willing to take all of the credit but none of the blame, huh? I never wanted all the credit. Oh, no one is blaming you. Oh, really? Look, this is just a temporary solution. The Zelenka in my space time estimates that there is at least a week and a half before the tear expands as far as the city. Come on, lad. Never rely on projections like that. Mm. It really worked out well. Mm. That is not a good thing. But then again, not our universe. Worst case scenario, the entropy expands as far as the subspace layers underneath our space-time. They can travel almost instantaneously. I mean, your entire universe could just flash out of existence. We need to mend that tear before it becomes irreparable. I do like problems that cease to exist if you ignore them. Yep. <laughs> They're good problems to have. Yeah. Oh, Jeannie, I could use your help. Thank you. Coffee, blah. Rod, what do you want? Do you mind running up these power requirements? Done. Mm-hmm. It's frightening to think the time and effort it takes to paint out a background of a frame just to get the main character in so you can yeah. superimpose it on another frame. Yeah, well, I don't want you hanging around with him anymore. What? Look, I am your real brother. Uh, in what sense? Oh, what is that supposed to be? You haven't been a brother to me since I quit school. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Are you getting it, Rodney? You hurt her a lot. Yeah. I, I disagreed with you. I still do. And, and what, because of that, you, you stopped being my brother? I never stopped being your brother. We haven't talked in four years. Don't put that all on me. It is all on you. I had no way of getting in touch with you. I was doing top secret research in another galaxy. And nobody cares because she's cuter than you are. Uh-huh. <laughs> At Christmas. Once a year, that's all I would have needed. Just just a, hi, how are you? Are, are you happy? Are you okay? That would have been enough, but you didn't even do that. No, no, I, I was wrong and you were right. So what, I, I was not worth talking to? Uh-huh. It wasn't like that at all. Wasn't it? You don't like me talking to Rod because it makes you realize how bad a brother you've really been. Hey, you guys got something over there? Nothing we want to share. No, we don't. I wonder if Rod is uh, allergic to lemons and citrus. Mm. He's slowing me down. Really? That two of you would have sped things up. Yeah, he's not me. There's Joe just polishing his club. Mm-hmm. That's what he does in the privacy of his own room. <laughs> I don't know if that's really obsessive. You can get in the toothbrush. Of course, we've got the Johnny Cash poster, the Evil Knievel picture. Where's the guitar? Mm-hmm. To the guitar. Say what you want, I know what this is about. Oh, really? Mr. Mensa in a parallel universe, what is this all about? You think Jeannie likes him more than you. What? That's crazy. That's, that's... That's possibly true. And skateboard as well. Well, Atlantis seems like a skater's paradise. Yes. His room looks a bit small. Do you remember when he changed into that Aratus book in Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. Look much bigger. Now, possibly because it happened so rarely. Mm-hmm. So I didn't call or write, and when I realized that four years had gone by, it was just a. You're a bad brother. You're right. Of course, you're right. She has every reason to hate me. <laughs> she should. You're right there, Rodney. And I like the effect through the window. You can see the ocean moving, but the parallax effect isn't quite kicking in enough. Mm-hmm. It looks a bit too static. Doctor McKay. Which one? Put him out his misery. Go on, go on, John. Swing that club. Hmm. Yeah, he's having that a lot more like a weapon than a golf club. <laughs> he was, wasn't he? 
Great, he's here. What's going on? Well, I set up a way to pick up transmissions inside the containment chamber should the Rod's universe try to contact us. We, of course, still have no way of communicating with them, but... They sent us a message. Yeah, apparently their exotic particle problem is spinning out of control much faster than they'd anticipated. Oh, boy. You know, the ancients look at this and say, we gave you these beautiful consoles and you're draping wires and laptops all over them. Yes. You do know there are built-in ports around the back, don't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that their attempt would be successful, but if it was, it would flood the exotic particles that have been created on their side into this space-time all at once. Yeah, that that's it. Would... Their attitude, it's not them. Right, I got that, but... Uh... How bad? Well, to be honest, the science gets extremely complicated, but... Um, Simply put, the tear will eventually swallow up the entire galaxy. It's possibly the universe. So, yep. very bad. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Our John is not exactly the uh, Mensa aficionado mm-hmm. that he is in that other universe. Genie has an idea? Uh, we think we can collapse the bridge with a massive burst of energy from this side. And stop the creation of exotic particles on the other side by doing so. How massive a burst are we talking? Everything we've got. But enough to severely deplete our ZPM. <laughs> it's always the case. Yeah. When they get a good ship, they lose it. When they get decent enough power, they lose it. Of course they do. We'd still be able to dial Earth, but uh, much less frequently, of course. And let's just say, I wouldn't want to be around here if the Wraith show up. Hmm. Mm. Yes, we haven't really heard how the Wraith affects Rod and his universe. You thought someone would have asked him, or it had been brought up. All right, do it. Doctor, we're give the okay for this? You'd rather the universe was... Yeah. <laughs> Not really. Rodney, can I talk to you for a second? I mean, you can see in this shot, occasionally his eye line is just slightly off. They haven't quite matched the lighting either. No. Yeah. I know what you're going to say. If I can beam into the energy stream, protected by my personal force field, you'd be transported back to your own universe. I, I know, I didn't bring it up before because if it doesn't work, I'm willing to take that risk. I've already requested the Daedalus to execute the transport to the coordinates inside the chamber on your mark. Nice so it's, it's up to David to act each part, remember his mannerisms, which in turn gives them a seamless effect. Look, what? My shepherd is a know-it-all. My Kayla is hard to talk to, and, and my Ronan is... Well, actually, those two are pretty similar. <laughs> yeah. Ronan is always Ronan. For all their faults, they're my team. My place is with them. Besides, they're not looking for another McKay around here. They already have one. That's where the body double's used. When he pats his shoulder, he's actually patting the body double, but it's Rodney's head on it, which is a bit freaky, really. I can only imagine the freedom you must have not caring if people like you or not. That could have been painful. They save a ton of money by having the actual physical contact out of sight of the camera. I've made some calculations. When the readings reach the levels I've indicated, you'll know whether or not I made it home. Huh, I guess you just need to um, click your heels together, huh? Oh, nice. Wizard of Oz's reference and Atlantis. Yeah. Or is that Martin's idea? Could be. Braddock. Yes, Beats in check is what the subtitle said there. They commented on that. Why does Elizabeth, who speaks about a dozen languages, never actually speak to any of the crew in their native languages? Because Weir doesn't speak any <laughs> You could very well be right. You're letting him do this? I tried to talk him out of it, but, you know, Rod. Permian, ready when you are? Guess there's nothing left to say, but there's no place like home. Another Oz reference? That wasn't even all. Yeah, very fitting though. Mm. All right, all in the green, ready for forced power output. Right, then. Uh, I'm gonna 
Press the button? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, you press it this time. There's nothing to do with the feather. It could all go wrong spectacularly and destroy the universe. How does it fall? It's working! Permian, this is McKay. Commence transport. Transport is complete. And that scene is a direct lift from No Man's Land. Oh, this isn't good. <laughs> oh dear. This is like your iPhone or your iPad battery level going down as you watch it. Yeah. I've got a tweet. Faster. Keep typing fast. Oh, too much. Almost there. Cut power now. How much power did you drain from the ZPM? All of it. Zero point module module depleted. All of it. <laughs> I drained all of it. Oops. Yep. You did the right thing. Hmm. Oh, I suppose I would have done the same thing for me. Yes, you're about the only person you were doing it for, mate. You were the person you're doing it for. <laughs> I am so fired. At least you get the sense and time at your knees. He's gonna get yelled at again. It's your brother, Rodney. I want to say, um. And this is the excerpt that was written by Paul Biner. That's why he got his name as part of the writing credits. This was from Letters from Pegasus, of course. Surrogate family to me. Now, I know you're thinking, I've never really been the poster child for that kind of sentiment, but uh, when... The first time Kate, a.k.a. Janine, has actually seen this video, they ended up getting very misty-eyed over it. I really do wish you the best, you know? And I'm sorry we weren't closer. Perhaps, um... If by chance I make it out of this, perhaps one day we can be. And I would like that. Strangely enough, both her and David said this scene shouldn't work as it did because they wouldn't hug. It's not something they do as brother and sister. Mm -hmm. I didn't think they'd do it here. This is when Martin Wood and Martin Garrow actually put the foot down and told him to do it as it was written. Hmm. What are you two up to? Nothing, just uh, telling stories about you. You know. Trying to help her fall asleep. Ahaha. Uh -huh. I'll leave you guys alone. Yeah, they had to reshoot it where she wasn't crying. <laughs> Come on, McKay, you've got to be suspicious. When somebody closes a laptop when you walk in. Yes, what's that porn were you looking at? Hey, <laughs> hey. hey you should be uh, packing. Dedalus leaves in the morning. Well, that's not living up to stereotype, mm. is it? She should be going back with more than she came with. Yeah. Oh, um... Well, she wasn't too happy about the whole uh, killing of the ZPM, but, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we did prevent the destruction of the universe, so, you know, not fired. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> I got a written warning. Yeah. I can live with that. Got this for Madison? I'm not sure, but oh. isn't that a fertility symbol? Uh, swiped it from Weir's desk. It's not like there's a Toys R Us nearby, so... Uh... Well, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the thought that counts, I guess. Mm. Sure, you could come up with something a little more appropriate. Yeah. Well, I'd say uh, see you around, but... Uh... Yes. About that. That's what they thought they should do, both David and Kate. Yes? Just to say, um... Look, what I, I wanted to... You say his brother and sister were just aren't used to physical affection. Thank you for trying. And this is what Martin's wanted them to do. Whereas I tend to hug people. I'm a very huggy person. So that expression isn't acting. It's like, what the? What? What? <laughs> what are you doing? How are you? You happy? You okay? Yeah, I am. I really am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're not a touchy feely family. Yeah. We'll have that for years to come. Intergalactic gate network should be completed soon, so, um. 
Maybe it won't be four years next time? This mean I'll, uh, I'll see you at Christmas? If you can convince Caleb not to make tofurkey. <laughs> no promises. A little grin at the end. Everything's right with the world. Yes, well, I kind of bottled up, honestly. Uh, it's getting repetitive. Mm. They're always laughing. <laughs> I'm walking. I'm missing everything. <laughs> Even the airman gives him a look. I wonder what she was thinking. Probably nothing complimentary. Am I just not getting the team emails anymore? <laughs> They're not sending them to you. You're off the list. Oh, yes. Well, of course you are. Do you think he made it back to his universe? Well, it's hard to say, really, but uh, I doubt he'll be back, though. We are not doing this episode again. <laughs> Sleepy. Ooh. What? Yeah, I can't stand people who are nice all the time. Makes me feel like they're trying to hide something. Really? He kept trying to correct me on my Athosian history. It grew tiresome very quickly. <laughs> Why? Well, it wasn't that bad. No, let's be honest. Rod was annoying. Well, I'll be honest with you. It's uh, kind of nice to hear. Massage the ego a little. Now. That's better. The gang's all here. What else has been happening? Well, Taylor's got the hots for one of the new Marines. Ow. That is not true. You know it is. And that, they believe, was a reference to... What's his name? I wrote it down. I wrote it down. I can't remember it now. Lloyd Bateman, who plays the Marine in Atlantis. Oh. Yes, married to him now with a kid. The whole point of these scenes, though, was to make sure they got the rest of the cast involved in the episode. Otherwise, we wouldn't really have needed them. And that was McKay and Mrs. Miller. It was indeed. That's a fun episode. Yes. I realise, Shane, it can be hard to interrupt us in mid-flow. Oh, no, that's all good. Sometimes when you listen to, like, commentaries and things, and you'll hear a director or an actor go, you know, I know I'm supposed to be talking about this, but I was actually watching it. That's kind of what happened. <laughs> this is why Mike watches it beforehand and is research bunny. Yeah, it helps. You don't always want to be too... Oh, what's the word? Overprepared? No, reactive. Oh. I was thinking of proactive. No, you don't want to be too reactive. Things you're talking about have long since gone. You want to be able to jump in knowing when something's coming. Basically, I listen to too much MS3TK. So what you're saying is the best off-the-cuff remarks are prepared beforehand? Of course, yes. It's all about timing. When you actually say something and then after you say it, the bit comes straight up what you're talking about, that works. Things occur to me about things or situations which may happen. And I usually have a short list. Remember the original Terminator? Yeah. He's looking for responses and the list comes up and he selects something. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty much the way I act in certain situations if I've some time to plan. In that, like, playing Mass Effect as well. Yeah, pretty much. List of options that you can Big say. Big response, select. Whereas I just wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and go, that's what I should have said. Yeah, the, that's what most people think. You always think of something good after the fact and when it's too late. Martin Garrow, the writer of this episode, he wrote two episodes of SG-1, 26 episodes of SGA, and a single episode of SGU. He also wrote and produced the L.A. Complex, Bored to Death and The Home Show. Martin Wood, the director. He directed 47 episodes of SG-1 and 29 of SGA, before going on to Sanctuary, Primeval New World, Arctic Air and Cedar Cove. One of the subplots for this episode, which originally ran to 69 pages of script, quite an impressively long episode, was that Genie was going to be arrested by the U.S. Air Force, actually imprisoned at the SGC, and that's where Rodney was going to meet her for the first time. Thankfully, they threw that away, went for the more kind of friendly approach to the story, which I think was so much better. Indeed. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. So, no feedback for last week's episode, but once again we've had very positive interaction over on Twitter. We keep adding followers, but that's not translating to listeners. But not to worry. So I posted a brief non-spoiler review of David Hewlett's debug on the website a few days ago, 
but just to cover our bases, here is a slightly truncated version. David Hewlett's latest movie, Debug, was released on Blu-ray and DVD in the UK on the 3rd of November, after doing the festival circuit. Distribution deals for other markets are ongoing, so hopefully everyone that wants to watch the movie will get a legitimate option. This is a spoiler-free kind of review of the movie. I'm not going to go into any huge amount of detail, but I can certainly offer a few comments. First off, kudos for making any Star Wars spaceship opening shot look short. As the camera flies down the length of the freighter Amphrotite, you really understand how big it is, and the CGI is beautiful. The interior of the ship is very nice, but doesn't really suit the mothboard status of the ship. I would have expected something obviously well used, which you do see in some of the nuts and bolts shots. I believe they use warehouses to emulate the cargo holds, etc. of the freighter. Now the crew, in any movie where you expect most of them to die, you have to become invested. And that isn't always the case. But amongst these convicts, yes, these are cybercrime prisoners. There were a few I liked and there were a few I didn't. As a Stargate fan, of course, I was more interested in Jason Momoa and Adrian Holmes. But all the cast played their parts well, with Gian Gosen leading by example. There were some nice twists and turns with certain members of the crew, which while not directly feeding the plot, helped to build and expand their characters. As it's always important to balance plot, character and action, Andy Bug, I think, did a pretty good job of it. But it's not a fast-paced movie, and I suspect that pacing of the movie may be considered too slow, but I feel it fell into the same style as Alien, Sunshine, or Event Horizon, in that the build-up was more important than the payoff, or the payoff only really works if you've lived with these people for a time. The book ultimately is a tale about human intelligence versus machine intelligence, a terrifying possible future as our civilian and military aims may diverge, with safeguards and regulations not always in place or required, as the results become more important than the potential consequences. I'm not going to claim Debug is a great movie, it isn't, but it is a good one, and I enjoyed every minute, and it certainly stands head and shoulders above its roots having made the most of the production budget and talent pool open to the producers via the Canadian media market, and of course it doesn't hurt to have a relationship with actors who have become names in the global market. So a solid cast combined with an interesting story, very good CGI and VFX, with an understated but good score results in something David and everyone else involved can be proud of. Debug shows a significant progression in David's movie making talents, and let's hope the distribution deals can all get sorted out. One negative, and this isn't an issue with the movie, but the UK release. These days a Blu-ray or DVD should have extras. I was rather surprised to see nothing. To be honest, I would love to hear David do a commentary for this movie. Who knows, the rights open to other distributors may indeed include supplementary material. But for now, I can highly recommend it for any fan of sci-fi or David Hewlett's work. Amazon UK are currently selling the DVD and Blu-ray, and the movie is also being sold on UK iTunes. Right then, we have a great birthday coming up on the 9th of November, a fan favourite within and beyond Stargate, so we wish a very happy birthday to Terrell Roffrey, who played Dr Janet Frazier in 75 episodes of SG-1. She is currently starring and looking ravishing in Cedar Cove, playing Grace Sherman. On the 10th of November we have a couple of birthdays. First off it's Vanessa Angel who played the Tokra Freya in three episodes of SG-1. Her character really didn't get a fair shake, but she certainly left an impression on the franchise. She has recently been in Californication and Lockhart, and has a couple of movies in post-production. Sharing this birthday is the director of the Stargate feature, Roland Emmerich. His resume is pretty impressive, but for us our immediate concern will be the proposed Stargate theatrical features recently announced. On the 11th of November, it's the birthday of one of the DeLuise clan, this time David, 
who played Pete Shanahan on SG-1. He also starred in Wizards of Waverly Place and has three features in production. Finally, on the 12th of November, it's the birthday of Wally Shawn. He appeared just once on SG-1 in the episode The Ties That Bind, playing Arlov. He also starred in The Princess Bride and has guest starred on Deep Space Nine as Zek and on Gossip Girl. As always, thank you to everyone who has kept the Stargate chat going via any of our social media portals. If you fancy getting in touch with us, and we hope you do so, you can do so via any of the following methods. We have contact forms over on our website, which is gatecast.co.uk, and our email address is gatecastpodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook and Google+, and on Twitter we are at thegatecast, which is one word. iTunes and Stitcher Internet Radio carry our RSS feed, there is also an additional RSS feed which has every episode we've released. Those links can be found on our website. Okay then, let's wrap this episode up. Come try ya! Okay then folks, that was McKay and Mrs Miller. Next week, our quick look at the schedule will be Company of Thieves. On the next Stargate SG-1. Under attack! The Odyssey's ambushed. We're being boarded! Leaving Sam held hostage. You are going to do whatever it is I want you to do. And when the others try to rescue her, they discover they've been trapped. Only chance is to take this ship back. Surrender now. Or be destroyed. On the next Stargate SG-1. Everything goes well. As I said, we're recording this way in advance. Dan LaRock will be joining us for that episode for his first time on the Gatecast. Ooh. Why do I know Dan's name so well? He's on Twitter. He retweets lots of our stuff. That might explain it. I hope you join us for that. Until then, I've been Mike. I've been Alan. I've been Shane, and, well, I'll talk to you in another two and a half years, guys. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Thanks very much, everybody. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Stargate forever.